there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, you may know my guest as one half of the screenwriting duo that brought you films such as Ed Wood, Big Eyes, and Dolomite Is My Name, or perhaps as the former vice president of the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, or even as a regular on Trailers from Hell. But here on The Gala Show, I know him as that dude with that Psyduck tattoo, Larry Karaszewski. <laughs> Hi, Larry. I'm very proud of that Psyduck tattoo. I love the story of that tattoo, that it was basically kind of like a gift from your children. Yes, it was. No, um, when they were growing up, uh, my son was, I mean, whatever, it was the, the entire universe of children were completely yeah. into Pokemon. And um, uh, we just loved it in our house. And, and so each of each, my, my daughter, my son, my wife, and me, we all picked our spirit Pokemon. And I was always I was always Psyduck, and we joked even when they were ten, like you know, someday the whole whole family would get the you know a, a tattoo of each of our spirit Pokemon and Pokemon, and uh, and no one ever did it. And then I turned I turned uh, sixty like a year or so ago, and as my sixtieth birthday present, my family chipped in and bought me a tattoo, actually a tattoo by this guy Dr. Wu, who's supposed to be the best tattoo artist in the world. And uh, but <laughs> I think it was like, oh, you go to the best tattoo artist in the world to do Psyduck? It seemed it seemed like a, <laughs> it seemed like a, a, a crazy thing to do. But I went there. They still don't have their spirit Pokemon. But, okay. But um, I was happy to. I don't have any other tattoos. No one, no one in my family has tattoos. But I was happy to get uh, Psyduck because I think the one thing that um, you know, I never got a tattoo before because there's always that thing. Oh, someday you'll regret it. Someday, you know, that tattoo is going to be on your body for the rest of your life. And now that I'm older, it's like, hey, the rest of my life. <laughs> I'm really go when I'm 75. I'm like, oh God damn it! I really regret that thing I did when I was 61. You know, um, and I regret that thing that my children yeah, gave yeah. me. You can't regret you that. Can't regret. It's cool too. Also, uh, people, it, it freaks people. That was like freaks people. Both people away. Like I was, I was striking for the WGA the other day, and um, some girl was wearing a Psyduck backpack. And I was like, hey. And I went like this. I went, no! <laughs> Do you remember what your kids Pokemon was? I, someone was Snorlax, which is great. I, mean, come I think that's Snorlax. it. I mean, that's very relatable. Yeah, yeah. It's very, <laughs> like, uh, I like, in fact, one person was Snorlax and one was Psyduck. One's the most, one's the most hyped up, nervous Pokemon. The other one's the most, the, the chillest. Sleepiest and yeah. like. Um, uh, Blastoise was somebody. It was my wife's, I believe. And, oh, my gosh. Oh, uh, uh, I'm not going to tell them uh, to listen to this podcast because I'm leaving <laughs> somebody out. It's like forgetting your children's birthdays. I know. It's terrible. I think mine would be Cubone. I don't know if you Q-bone's know. Cubone's cool. I like Cubone because Cubone, 
he's metal. He wears the skull of his dead mother. Yeah. It's rock and roll. Yeah. So that's why I like Pokemon him. are great. And even when like at the time when other parents would be like uh, angry about their kids uh, doing Pokemon, I, I'd be like, you got to be, you know, you got to be shaming. I'm driving along and my kids in the back seat. Like my son was like nine years old. He'd be like, this is worth 2000 points and 5,000. And he was like doing massive <laughs> mathematical problems just based on how, whether a Pokemon could win a battle or not. Yeah, well, I love it. So before we bring up the topic today, I have a question for you. Okay. The first time I came over here when we talked about Buster and Billy, which I really appreciated. For those of you that don't know, there was an issue with the Buster and Billy print, and the Bev reached out to Larry, and he very graciously provided the 16-millimeter print for the Video Archives podcast to screen Buster and Billy at the Bev. So I got to talk to Larry about it. And he showed me his collection of 16 millimeter prints, which I think is, I think his collection room is beautiful. By the way, we are outside at Larry's yes. house, just in case you hear anything, <laughs> <laughs> just in case right. we're outside of his beautiful home. Right. Um, but one thing that I was surprised about is like all the making of videos that you have, and like the behind the scenes and like yes. that kind of thing. Cause I didn't know that people collected those. Do you have like a favorite one of those? Um, I don't know if I have a favorite one of those, but I love collecting them. And um, I don't know if other people collect them or not. I don't, I'm not sure they actually do. They so were, why do you? Um, I remember them when I was a kid in Indiana, uh, basically for people who don't know what we're talking about. Uh, like in the late 60s and early 70s, uh, studios would make this behind the scenes, a little like 15-minute uh, behind-the-scenes uh, packages about the making of the movies. Sometimes it was called The Filmmakers. And when a network uh, broadcast of a movie ran short, that particular thing would be edited to fit the like the remaining time slot because it had to be a two-hour time slot. And so everyone would see, like, oh, the making of, of this movie, the making of that movie. Right now, a lot of them are available as special features on DVDs or Blu-rays. Mm. Uh, but I noticed that uh, many of them are available in 16mm. And so um, I have, you know, I, I, I think it's great to be able to see the behind-the-scenes of, you know, some of these... You know, whatever. Even if it's, I, so a lot of times it's costume. I have like behind the scenes of of Mary Queen of Scots or Mary Mary Queen of Scots and things like that. But um, my my favorite one I, I just got recently was, um, and it's not one of these, but it's um, it's a bit of 60 millimeter footage from the from the uh, the premiere of uh, Barbra Streisand's Up the Sandbox. Oh. And it's uh, it's uh, it's Carl Reiner going in to see Barbra Streisand's new movie and things like that. And so I, I like all movie ephemera. And I feel like this is almost the most ephemeral kind of stuff you yeah. can get. And so, also, I find that um, uh, since I only have like one 16 millimeter projector, throwing something on that's 20 minutes long feels very comfortable rather yeah, than watching a whole thing. I have features in there too, but it's like if someone comes over to watch a movie, I can throw on a 15 minute make behind the scenes thing of Last of Sheila. Or one, a super cool one I have is um, uh, the Cannes Film Festival, the year that. Uh, Scarecrow, the Jerry uh, Schatzberg movie, Jerry uh, uh, Schatzberg movie, uh, won uh, won best film. But it's like um, Last of Sheila is there, and a bunch of other things are there. Uh, Old Lucky Man. It was done by I think Warner Brothers. It's like Warner Brothers at the Cannes Film Festival, and so you just got all these stars and all these press conferences and the, the you know behind the scenes of the Cannes Festival in the early seventies is great. That's, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. And now it's time for a commercial break. vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Psst, guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. 
My favorites are honey badger because he doesn't give a bleep and jelly and peanut flavor topping because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. And we're back. Now, as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the mic. Larry, why don't you tell us what your topic is and why you decided to choose it? Well, part of it, I think, is the location we're at right now. We're in, we're in, we're in you mentioned that we're at my house, and I thought, like, <laughs> what, you know, so you're going to be recording it, so you'll hear, like, leaf blowers and construction and garbage trucks going and by. And birds tweeting. And birds and tweeting. The, the so, pool lapping um, gently. I, I thought of my topic as being uh, Los Angeles movies. I love uh, it. Films that are about Los Angeles, films that take place in Los Angeles, films that just use Los Angeles as a location. Um, I, um, I'm just, I, 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 whenever I see a movie, particularly an older film uh, that's shot in Los Angeles, I spend, like, anytime there's an outside location, I don't actually pay attention to the two actors talking. I all I do is look behind them to see if I can see is that see a street sign. Yeah, street. Oh my god, it's a curse on! It's a they're a curse on and you know, blah blah. You I know. do that in Roger Corman films all the time. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm super excited excited to get into it for today. The topic is L.A. movies. I have 30 minutes on the clock, and our time starts now. Oh, I'm so sad. It's 30 minutes. Um, I know because uh, we could talk about this forever. <laughs> well, growing up in the uh, early 70s for late 60s for me. The coolest movies were actually New York movies, okay, like Midnight Cowboy. Well, because you're not from Joe. LA. Yeah, not from LA. So, uh, uh, but the, you know, uh, like you know, Joe and uh, French Connection, Taxi Driver. There was a seriousness, and and New York seemed like super cool. Even if it was dirty old New York, it seemed like the place to be. <laughs> like with so much trash, so like much, blowing yeah, yeah. around. And I love that kind of stuff. Um, and I kind of looked down on LA movies, except maybe like Woody Allen, you know. But you know, Woody Allen had that upper class. Yeah, uh, and I'm sorry, not I'm sorry. Looked down on LA movies because because. Um, you know, uh, they had Henry Jaglum. Yeah. And New York had Woody Allen. Yeah. So, like, Woody <laughs> Allen was, like, the goat at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And when I think of L.A. cinema at that time, there's uh, a phrase that some of my friends use called, they call it Brentwood cinema, which uh. is which is sort of like uh, Blake Edwards when he'd make, the, he'd make like something like, uh, you know, uh, S.O.B. or That's Life. And some, some Blake Edwards movies are great. Like, Ten is a perfect L.A. movie. Uh, that's I mean that's a great film, uh, but most of Blake's stuff at that certain period was about midlife crises. Even Ten is that how to do how to cook a lobster. There's a lot of that stuff going on. Uh, at a certain point later on, I think Jim Brooks and and uh, and Judd Apatow kind of took over the mantle of that sort of movies that take place on the other side of the 405. <laughs> yeah. And like I said before, sometimes they're they're great. Uh, I think Modern Romance by Albert Brooks is kind of one of those movies a little mm-hmm. bit, but that's a little bit darker, and I love that film. I'm actually a big fan of a movie that's kind of like that too, called Strangers When We Meet with Kirk Douglas. That's from 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 like the the 50s. That's about an affair in in the valley. Uh, but they weren't they weren't speaking to me as as kids. For yeah, the because most part. like New York was speaking to you. Woody Allen was speaking yeah, to you. Yeah, exactly. But and when, you were in Philly, right? No, no, I was no, no. in South Bend, Indiana. Oh God. Okay, so yeah, yeah. I was in a small town, uh, about an hour and a half out of Chicago. So New York must have seemed really exotic to you. Yeah, that's in cool. I wanted to move there. And and LA seemed, seemed just like, like uh, whatever beach town drug yeah, addicts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like stewardesses. Um, but when I actually moved to Los Angeles, um, I think that my view of it kind of changed because I got to know the city and fell in love with it and fell in love with its its idiosyncratic ways. I mean, New York is actually very easy to get. I think that's why people 
understand New York. The streets are numbered. The streets are lettered. You know, so it's a grid. It's it's kind of you know you can actually walk the entire city in a day. And the beautiful thing about Los Angeles, it's so spread out. You you know, it's 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 many things and many people. And I think kind of think that's what makes. Uh, Movies that take place in Los Angeles, really cool. Movies that actually, uh, I love that try to capture the essence of, uh, of L.A. And I think if you look at the body of work that Scott and I do, I, uh, I think a lot of our movies are actually trying to define the city. You know, well, you yeah, know. I think. I mean, Ed Wood is I a mean, I was just going to say Ed Wood is like one of the best examples yeah. of like you're taking an L.A., a truly L.A. story. Yeah. I've talked about people like about L.A. because I'm born in Santa Monica. Actually, Mick Garris and I are born in the same hospital oh, wow. on the same day. Not the same year. <laughs> just to be clear about <laughs> he that. He still looks really young, though. He Mick does. Garris has that he hair does. that will go away. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but um, it's like when you're from L.A., you love L.A. And like you want to see these L.A. stories and these L.A. Right. histories. So I think Edward's a perfect example of that. Yeah, Edward and a lot of my films are about like sort of um, outside outsider dreamers, mm-hmm. and I think that defines the city more than uh, uh, West Side rich people kind of things like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, so uh, uh, I think Scott and I have been very proud about. It. Most of our films are about people who don't fit into society and are just trying to make it in this town. And when you meet people in Los Angeles. They're people who it's don't like haven't quite made it's 95% it. You know? percent of, the interesting thing is, like Scott's not from here, right? Oh yeah, Scott's Brent, Scott's Brentwood. So, so Scott, oh, so Scott's he Palisade. is, so uh, he is yeah. Brentwood, yeah, yeah, LA. Yeah, that, but you're that. kind of like, I don't want to say you're an outside dreamer because obviously you've had a huge success here. But when you first came here, you were like an outsider. Yeah, I'm totally an outsider. And so you know, I I, didn't, I knew nobody. I had no connections to the film industry. I was just I came out here. Uh, just you know, to, to make movies, I thought like you know, if you were into politics, you had to move to uh, Washington D.C. Yeah. If you if you like to make cars, you go to Detroit. And I feel if like you... nightclubs go to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I ran a nightclub in LA in the eighties. But that's oh, really, story. That's <laughs> a, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna eat my thirty minutes with my nightclub stories in LA. Um, but um, but I think like the the quintessential scene in Ed Wood is the Orson Welles Ed Wood scene yeah. where you have the worst filmmaker of all time and the best filmmaker of all time meeting. At Musso and Frank's. Especially Musso and Frank's. Yes, correct. And having a conversation and having kind of realizing they're both in the same boat. So, so what that says right away is that, that no matter how far you make it up the food chain, you're still you still are kind of a loser in Los Angeles that no reminds me that reminds me of Barton Fink which I don't really love that movie right. but there's that line in Barton Fink where he's like throw a rock and you'll hit a writer in this town yeah, and yeah. do me a favor throw it hard <laughs> it's just like <laughs> that line always gets me well um I read the Mike Nichols book the Mark Harris Mike Nichols book last year and there's a Mike Nichols moves out of Los Angeles because he said um that Everyone, everyone knew where he stood in the industry when he was in Los Angeles. That when he would go mm. valet park a car, the the guy who was the valet parker knew. Oh, Mike, Mike has just had two bombs right in a row. You know what I mean? That was, he felt he was constantly being judged on the success of the film. So even Mike Nichols, who can't yeah. be more upper crust kind of thing, he he you know, even he felt like it, it's like he was a loser in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so Scott and I make movies about losers in Los Angeles. I, I mean, like it. even like like Larry Flint. I think the reason Larry Flint in our movie, the, the line that he has, why he moves to Los Angeles, is that even perverts are welcome. You know, well, that's <laughs> an understatement. I think that's an understatement. Yes, exactly. So that's what we love about it, and um, you know. Uh, and Man of the Moon takes place in L.A. Uh, Dolomite, I you know I love the way Dolomite is portrayed. Uh, yeah. Portrays the city of Los Angeles because uh, actually Rudy Ray Moore's movies are cool 
and uh, in, in, in looking at Los Angeles at that time because once again that's, that's sort of that looking at the backgrounds all the time you're like oh my yeah. god they're on western or oh my god they're well, there I think exploitation films are kind of like Correct. the best history book because they, they have to use the they don't have sets <laughs> they don't have permits and they don't have sets so they're just shooting on the street like Corman like when you look in the background it's like hey I know what that is. Yeah. I've been to, there's the marina. There's this. And it's all this old LA history. And a lot of it's been like built up and paved yeah. over. But yeah. we still have it in the Every movies. Every once in a while you, you recognize that, that that liquor store that's still there. Like, oh my God, that liquor store. That's where they are. That's so cool. <laughs> but but Rudy Ray Moore's movies are totally that. And yeah. I, I felt like we really uh, respected that. And, and captured and, it. And, and captured that in our movie. Uh, what was cool about when we were shooting our movie was uh, your podcast boss, Quentin, was shooting Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at the same time. Yeah, another uh, Hollywood movie. Yeah, yeah. which might probably... You know, could be the best Hollywood. It's, but this is the best recent Hollywood movie, uh, uh, maybe the best Hollywood movie of all time. But you know, I think even Quentin would say you sometimes have to give movies 10, 15 years before you can make That's that. That's kind what of he'll judgment. always he'll always say. Yeah, that. yeah I agree. Um, uh, but what's cool was we were both shooting our movies at the same time, and um, uh, sometimes on the same street. Oh, really? But, so you would pass, you'd pass, and his movie is much more bigger budget. But you'd pass two or three bucks. Of Quentin's 1968 uh, Hollywood, right? Whenever, you know, and uh, billboards and things like this. And then you drive like a couple blocks, and all of a sudden there'd be our 1973. The black exploitation yeah, version yeah, of it. Yeah, it's so funny. Um, and, um, but that was, it was such a joy. I mean, it was such a joy when, when Quentin was making his movie in LA because all the, all the old theaters he kind of refurbished on the outside, and you could drive around and see, you know, those, those marquees. I, yeah. I love, also, that's another thing. I love marquees. Oh, I do in too. Movies. It's, I think, I love to pause a movie oh. or if I'm in the theater I love to just take note of like mm. what's on the marquee no. and then I love to go like research that movie yeah. later to see yeah. like why did the director pick that yeah. movie yeah. like was it just what was on the marquee sometimes it's like what's on the marquee yeah or oh, sometimes, sometimes it has an not, encoded yeah. meaning I really hate it when a movie gets it wrong when a movie like you know uh, yeah. it's like oh that movie would never be playing at that time in that place you know but then it makes you wonder why is it playing yeah. at that time in that yeah, place yeah, yeah. like what are we doing I had a total like detective work uh, fairly recently where I was watching a um, uh, Shirley MacLaine movie called Desperate Characters and they drove by a theater and they they, they only had a it was you could only see like 50% of the marquee and I freeze framed <laughs> it and I just was like alright that is you like step by step like... and I, re I think I came to realize it was a double feature of the sterile cuckoo and goodbye Columbus, and when I—I I mean, it took me 45 minutes to figure this out, but it was like, whoa, Sherlock Holmes or something, you know. So, do you tend to prefer movies that are like made in LA that are about LA, like specific, like kind of more like classic LA stories, like Sunset Boulevard I and stuff think like that? So, I mean, um, uh, you know, because here's the thing: everything gets shot in LA. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there are so many movies that are just shot in L.A. because they make all the movies in L.A. There's a great documentary called L.A. Plays Itself. I don't know yeah. if you've ever seen it. Mm -hmm. It's a fantastic film. And it really, get, you know, it, uh, it it talks about that at a certain point that this, you know, uh, cop movies are shot here. So they've got those, yeah, those so they cops. Essence, but yeah. they don't necessarily take place in Los Angeles. Yeah. And so I think I'm, at least today, because I only have a half hour, I keep on complaining about that. <laughs> uh, I think I'm just going to talk about movies that pretty much take place in Los Angeles. Yeah. Uh, and, and even cop movies that are sometimes shot in Los Angeles or even like you know I mean uh, everyone loves uh, To Live and Die in LA I'm a lesser fan of it but um, I find a lot of the cop movies 
more generic. Yeah. Because I, they're just cop movies. They're they're shooting in LA because it's empty streets downtown. I mean, how many times in a cop movie do people have those scenes in the LA River? How many times have you actually been to the fucking LA River? None, zero. You know what I mean? That <laughs> Unless you have a dad like mine. <laughs> but that doesn't define the city. <laughs> no, it definitely you know? doesn't define the city. And, and so, like, even living in LA, it's about these badass cops and counterfeiters. I mean, I don't know any badass cops and counterfeiters. You know, that, that seems to be it's, it's sort of. So I'm I I. Uh, so like, what, what would like be like a perfect LA movie for you? Like, if you were gonna pick one. Um. Uh, I'll get there. Yeah, you'll I'll get, get there. there. You'll get I'll there. get there. Tell me if I get 25 minutes or who knows how long. <laughs> I mean, I would be, I'm, I'd say, once again, back to my own work for five seconds, uh, I think our magnum opus about L.A., we talk about L, uh, Ed was a feature, but The People vs. O.J. Yeah. for us as a miniseries, that's, we really wanted to tell the story of L.A. in, uh, uh, that's why we loved having 10 hours. We thought we could, all the different yeah. facets of celebrity and non-celebrity and, and race and culture and birth of 24-hour television and, and the Kardashians. It's all, they were all, yep, I mean, if all we felt that we, that we, we made that the subject. I think a lot of, of young people don't even like remember that connection of the Kardashians yeah, all yeah. the way back to OJ. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. like That's very, where they came from. That's I where know. They came from. He had, when Kardashian had his first press conference about OJ, he had to spell his last name because nobody, none of the press knew, knew who wow, he was. Wow, if only he knew what was yeah, going yeah, on yeah. now. Yeah. Um, but when I back to cop movies for a second, like I, I watched The Long Goodbye a couple of nights ago, and everyone, lo anyway, everyone loves The Long Goodbye. It's I love not, the It's not really my favorite. Yeah, but. and it's also even though we're literally probably right around we're right around the corner from the house. Yeah, the, his this thing. Um, it does for me. It doesn't really capture L.A. either. Gould, yeah. Gould kind of feels L.A., but like barely. The, the the naked the naked yoga girls feels like a parody of Los Angeles. Uh, the, like the gang, you know, Paul, uh, Mark Rydell's gangster guy or Henry Gibson as the as the. Uh, it all feels kind of phony baloney to me. It feels surprisingly for Altman, who actually like lived in the Malibu colony and things like that. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel quite right. I agree with that. Yeah, um, but certainly I think Altman captures L.A. Uh, really well. Uh, with the player and mm -hmm. shortcuts, shortcuts is a very interesting movie because he moves he moves Raymond Carver's stories from the Pacific Northwest to L.A., but he doesn't move it to L.A. L.A. He moves it to Downey. He yeah, moves but it, just he outside. moves it to those outside cities, and that's really the I.E. the Inland Empire. <laughs> the Inland Empire, exactly. <laughs> so that 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 sort of makes it feel more like Los Angeles mm -hmm. because it's not about oh the Sunset Strip. It's about these little crappy places that people live and have to get by. I mean, obviously, you said you asked me the question like, what's the greatest Los Angeles movie? Uh, you know, there are the major ones like Chinatown. Oh, of course, everyone's going to talk about Chinatown. It's just Chinatown, I mean, Jake. Well, because Chinatown is is almost cheating because Chinatown is about Los Angeles. It's, it's literally about the, about Owens the Valley. Making, yeah. yeah, the Owens Valley water I crisis. Mean, it isn't exactly a documentary or history. The history of it actually happened, but you can't get around the fact that that is the quintessential Los, Los Angeles, Angeles movie. movie. And and I would almost say noir in general. Uh, feels yeah, LA very long. L.A. Noir is great. You know, stuff like Point Blank or Double Indemnity. Or anything. Oh, I you love also, Double Indemnity. Yeah, Double Indemnity is great. I, I drove by the house the other day. It's right. It's in, you know, her... her Isn't her, it amazing her, that you can drive by all yeah, these houses and yeah. they're just there and someone just lives in it? I had forgotten that I, I was driving and I was passing and I was like, wait a second, I think someone told... That is, that's that's uh, Barbara Stanwyck's house and it's not in Los Feliz. It's more like in the Whitley Heights kind of area. Yeah. So that was kind of cool. Um... But like uh, you know, uh, Billy Wilder did that movie. He also did Sunset Boulevard, and Sunset Boulevard is another one of those things. It's just 
kind of perfect when it comes yeah. down to capturing Los Angeles. Once again, about a loser outsider guy who can't, who can't, isn't really successful. Yeah. You know, and an unsuccessful screenwriter who can't, who, who can't identify with that. <laughs> even the, even the most successful screenwriters can identify with that because oh, yeah. they've been told no a billion times yeah. before they got there. Right. Yes. Well, when when I have filmmakers come up to me and talk about Ed Wood, they always say like, "Oh my God, there but for the grace of God." Everyone, all directors feel like they're Ed Wood, and I think all screenwriters think that they're they're uh, they're William Holden and Sunset yeah, Boulevard, just waiting, sure. just waiting to get shot in the back, um, <laughs> or like actively being stabbed in it. <laughs> but like sometimes, you know, sometimes those movies about Hollywood get it wrong and try to be satire. Yeah, like the loved one is cool, but once again, it's too. Friggin' silly. Well, for it's me. also because it's Evelyn Wall writing yeah. a satire about Los Angeles. Yeah, and, the and Tony industry. Richardson, and it's yeah, you know, it's the uh, whole thing. Yeah, so it doesn't. I don't really think that he hates LA. Yeah, Evelyn Wall yeah, hates yeah, LA. Yeah. Bet, another one noir that I think is gets LA perfect is in a lonely place with Humphrey Bogart and Gloria mm-hmm. Graham, That's a, which is another another screenwriter. I, I just like screenwriter pictures. Well, <laughs> why? Why, why are we talking about LA pictures? Why aren't we talking yeah, about screenwriter right. pictures? Um, uh, like the late sixties, early seventies had a had a some really ones that are that are kind of close to perfect. Shampoo, mm-hmm. shampoo. I, I feel like captures L.A. once again because even though uh, Warren Beatty's playing a successful hairdresser, he's still like you know he's still constantly running around and it's a, it's a, it's a it's a Beverly Hills movie, but he he's. He doesn't. He doesn't really quite fit in Beverly Hills. I mean, his yeah. claim to fame is he's still an he, outsider. Yeah, he, he. He. But he fucked everyone. That's yeah. really. That's his accomplishment. Is that he <laughs> fucked everyone? And that's like L.A. That, that is L.A. That is. A, that's a. That's a goal. You know. Yeah. That's funny. Um, model shop, which I think the poster shows yeah. up in in Quentin's movie, but model shop I think is a great movie just because that's a, that's almost the ultimate. Trying to read the signs in the background of, of, the, of the street. I mean, it's like it takes me forever to figure out where where uh, um, uh, Gary Lockwood's house is and yeah. his Marina del Rey. Although, although I do, I am bothered when geography doesn't quite. He, his house is in Marina del Rey, but he spends all this time seemingly on Quanga Boulevard. That's and, like GTA when they squish the map. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, I'm a stickler. I will hate a movie when they go. They turn a corner and they're somewhere else. Yeah. Lethal Weapon has a big one. It's just like, oh, <laughs> fuck this. It's you know. The, I, 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 I believe you have to really keep good geography in a movie. Um, a movie I just rewatched recently is, is uh, Peter Bogdanovich's Targets. Yes. Oh my God. Is kind of great. That movie is yeah. crazy. Yeah. That's a great movie. Yeah, yeah. What about like modern LA movies? I mean, like we have stuff not as much, but like we have Nightcrawler, which yes. is technically an LA movie, um, and <clears throat> Sean Baker's Tangerine. Tangerine is perfect. I saw yeah. Sean last night. He, yeah. We were both at the uh, at the John Waters uh, uh, show at uh, the Academy. Uh, but uh, I would say Tangerine nails it perfectly. I'm a big fan of Ingrid Goes West. I'm yeah. a big fan of Under the Silver Lake. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, even some bigger movies like Collateral, I think is a pretty Oh f- my God, Collateral you know. is so good. And also Gray Hair Tom Cruise. So yes. it's like it wins so, points for me. Yeah. So that, uh, those I think are, are pretty good. Um, you know, I'm. I you know maybe it's because I was I was I was in my prime, but like the movies of the '80s mm-hmm. really get me. There's a Jodie Foster movie called Foxes. Oh yeah. About like the Valley Girl. It's it's sort of the serious. It's kind version of the of other little darling, also, yeah. isn't it? Kind of connected to that a little bit. Well, yeah, or no? it is. But it's but I think uh, those movies aren't as real as Foxes. Foxes yeah. really feels about. Uh, what it like is like to be an o- an older teenager in Los in Los Angeles or in the Valley, whose parents like her mom is Sally Fe- uh, Sally um, Kellerman and you know she doesn't really have any supervision and so yeah. they're just out on their own. It's almost like uh, the LA version of something like Times Square, the yeah. movie. So, but I love Foxes. 
love Repo Man. I oh, think I was going to say Repo Man, Man is a great one. Nails Los Angeles, uh, Nails Los Angeles, that punk scene of the of the uh, oh my God. of the early '80s. That movie, that Repo Man. Repo Man should be should be known better known than it is. I feel like it's not the Repo Man. Yet. I think it's like entering its revival, to be Good. honest, because I think and I do think it's kind of a, almost nearly a perfect LA movie, especially oh. with all like the commentary on driving, like the yes. more, like the further you drive, like the less you know, yeah. and all that stuff. And like that is just so LA. Yeah, it's. I mean, that movie's great. Um, there's a lot of movies that are not well known at all. Sort of like the perfect LA movies flop. They're almost like the equivalent of the non-working screenwriter in but something like Miracle Mile. I don't know if you yeah. ever saw Miracle Mile. No, which I didn't. Miracle Mile takes place on the Wilshire Corridor. On the there, Miracle Mile. On the Miracle Mile, and a guy picks up the phone. Anthony Edwards picks up a phone, and he learns uh, a payphone and learns that there's going to be potentially a, n- a nuclear holocaust on Lo- in Los Angeles, like in a, in a couple hours. Yeah. And it's all him running up and down the street trying to figure out whether it's fake or whether it's like and, try, and trying to find he's falling in love with a girl at the same time and it's uh it's it captures because it captures oh, those that has blocks. a good poster too actually now that I think about <clears throat> it I think it has like a very kind of like L A um like neon poster yeah yeah yeah, it yeah. Does. It, that's a great movie um uh I'm a huge fan of a movie called Mike's Murder have you ever seen Mike's Murder no, with I Deborah Winger no um. Uh, it's a movie that famously got taken away from its director and recut and things like that. But even in the recut version, I like it just because <clears throat> it's about a, um, a woman who meets a real charming guy and then she thinks she's going out with him. But are they really going out with the really lovers? But and then that person gets murdered and she tries to put it all together. But it, it I don't think there's a better movie that that sort of intangible relationships of Los Angeles where Los Angeles is kind of different than any place else I know where like uh, there are people I consider to be my good friend that I only see every seven months you know what I mean I just saw that person <laughs> we're seeing them again or whatever you know but it's like that weird thing about LA that people float through your lives yeah no it's true and Mike's murder is perfect uh, in that uh, exploring that I really recommend that directed by James Bridges uh, um, another movie I keep on calling these movies perfect but maybe my favorite Los Angeles movie just the one I take, take to my heart is is the the remake of Breathless with Richard Quentin Gere Quentin would agree with you I think yeah. he loves that movie yeah no that movie knocks my socks off and, um, and I uh, love when they're like running through the back streets uh, in the middle of the night and they, you know, they, 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 they really play up the sort of like iconic kind of murals and stuff like that around Los Angeles so, yeah. and Venice. But uh, uh, the energy that Richard Gere's character, uh, it just, it, it propels it in that movie. And, and uh, you know, it just, I mean, that's a perfect Los Angeles film. What about something like Falling Down? That's technically an L.A. movie, right? It is. Uh, it gets negative points for me for geographic jumps. Yeah, I'm going to be honest. I don't really like falling down, yeah. but my... It's a little too right wing for me. One of my best friends really likes the movie, and I took him to Manhattan Beach, and all of a sudden he was like, oh my God, we're on the pier from falling down. I'm yeah. like, this is the pier from falling down? Really? Like, yeah. even I live here, and I didn't know that. I mean, if that, if that movie... Paid attention to because it's about a guy walking across Los Angeles because he's so mad about traffic and yes. just so mad about his life. So treat the geography real. You know, you can't have him downtown and then now he's at Crescent Heights and 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 Sunset Boulevard. And he's in the South Bay. Yeah, the South Bay. It's just like, come on, no, it's like pay attention to what's going on. Yeah. And so because I think that's a movie that that is about Los Angeles, but then then drops the ball because it's not really about Los yeah, Angeles. It's, it's, it's a Hollywood not, piece. Of, you know. Yeah, it's almost like not respecting Los Angeles in a way yes. because you're not doing your correct research on the, yeah. on the town. So that's what, that's that's my negative thing. You know what would be great? If someone remade Falling Down. I would love to have and someone remade. Correct, yeah. 
You know? Larry. Hello. Larry. <laughs> Actually, you know who my writing partner, Scott Alexander, loves uh, loves falling down. Um, the two others, uh, uh, body double. Of course. Body double. I don't even think we need to talk. Yeah, to I was going to say, I don't even think you need to bring a body double. <laughs> I almost, I yeah. didn't even write it down on my yeah. notes. Cause I was like, yeah, yeah body, body double. double. Yeah, sorry. So it's like kind of boring. It's like, you just skip body double. But it's, but it's like, it is an LA movie. But you never want to skip body double. No. You got to go watch body double. Yeah. Uh, Barfly. Mm. Is a is a great uh, Mickey work as a as Bukowski basically and just some movies I love movies that where you like know in the first couple seconds you're in good hands yeah that like uh, when you the opening credits of Barfly which is just I think it's to a Booker T song and it's just a bunch of shots of L A bars from the out the exteriors and you're like all right this movie this movie knows what it's doing I also love it because it's really a historical document. Like yeah. these buildings yeah. just that don't exist anymore that should have been historical buildings. I mean, like on video archives, we talked about Slithis a lot because it has Brennan's turtle races in it. Yeah. And it's like, and those do still exist. I don't yeah. don't go to them, yeah, in yeah. my opinion, but in my humble opinion. But it's it's amazing, yeah. like what film captures and what film yeah. preserves. Like I watched uh, Hickey and Boggs fairly recently. I don't know if you ever saw no, Hickey I and haven't. Boggs. It's Robert Culp and Bill Cosby as, as cops, but it's a serious movie. And the first couple minutes of that, it was a woman getting off the train at uh, Union Station downtown, and and, it's, and L.A. is raining. Yeah. And she walks out, and she gets in a cab, and you're like. Oh, I'm in good hands. Yeah. This person actually knows how to. Sh- it's, it's better than Bill Butler who shoots it, but they know how to shoot Los Angeles. I'm I'm in I'm in good hands. Um, uh, I was friends with this director, so I had to have to, I definitely have to bring this up. Is Boys in the Hood? Of course. Well, yes. I mean, it's quintessential, and it's because you know John really knew what he was, what the area he was talking about. Yeah. So you know, it's, it seems easy to uh, think about it now, but at the time, I remember just the fact that he worked in the audio mix of helicopters. Which that, is very Los Angeles. So Los and if Angeles, you don't particularly live here, particularly that area of Los yeah. Angeles where, like, just every single shot in that movie, almost you can hear how like you can, these people are being uh, surveillance on these people. These people are these people are being you know. Uh, there's a helicopter right yeah, now going. Yeah, on. yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> What's interesting also about Boys in the Hood is that one of the guys that was in Boys in the Hood actually became part of L.A. True Crime. Um, I think the guy. It's either the person that was shot in the back or the person that shot him in the back. Okay. But he actually ended up committing a murder and became L.A. history for L.A. true crime. (laughs) And so it's like this whole thing of like there is art and then there is L.A. and then there is L.A. and then there is art. And it just like kind of folds onto itself. But, uh, you know, Singleton, I think it was the youngest director ever to get nominated for an Oscar. And, uh, uh, you know, because that movie was his movie. That movie was just it told it like it was. Yeah. Um, And probably still is. Um, Another uh, black film uh, from a different time period that I think I kind of worship is Car Wash. Oh my, Car Wash is amazing. Yeah. Car Wash, I think, I don't want to say like it gets pigeonholed into black exploitation because mm-hmm. it is a black exploitation yeah. film, but like there is this, in all black exploitation film, there is like this really strong political right. yeah. socio message that you find. Like, but Car Wash, it's so gentle in the end and it's yes. so human. Well, Michael Schultz is a great director. He's, yeah. he's a world class director. And also, you know, it gets classed as black exploitation, but it's not, I would say it's not black exploitation. I, I all, would not. I grew up in the city, so all black movies were considered black exploitation. They all played the same theater. So exactly. something like Claudine with, uh, with Diane <laughs> Carroll and James Earl Jones, that was black exploitation. You watch Claudine, it's like, it's, it's, it's this not. is not a black exploitation movie. Uh, Car Wash, at the time, I would say it got, it got lumped in kind of like, um, uh, you know, gang comedy movie. Uh, it was just it was Richard. It was Richard Pryor, George yeah. Carlin. It was all those kind of people in a movie. Watching it now, it feels like an Altman picture. 
You're like yeah. you're at you're you're I think at the corner of Rampart and Sixth at yeah. the car wash of those and may even still exist across from Tommy Burgers and uh, you're parked there all day long and you meet all the characters coming in and out and there's this you know it's a beautifully done movie. Oh, okay. So another one would be Blue Collar. That's a no, LA that's movie. Not, no, but is it shot in LA? No, is that's a that's a Michigan is that a Michigan movie? No, was it shot in LA? Oh, they might have shot. I, they shot they, like all the, they, or, they, the orchards they in LA could not, or um, outside of yeah. in California. They, they uh, you. I think you might be onto something, and my memory is that they couldn't get the permission to shoot in. Uh, but it's in, not about LA. Yeah, that's not, a, that's a, what about um, the Graduate? Uh, that's once again. That's 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 that's. But they filmed the they close. Filmed, they filmed the closing sequence so in much Ohio. Of shot. Um, well, whatever. Um, uh, USC yeah. plays uh, Berkeley. Yeah. So a lot of it was shot. The message classic. LA is constantly a location. Exactly. Thing. That's what I mean. Have you ever seen the movie Safe? Would you learn no. more? No. That's a that's a that's a great tense LA movie. It's a uh, Julian Moore plays a woman who sort of becomes allergic to Los Angeles. Wow. And sort of like you know it's all about this unease of being uncomfortable, just going out and or eating or doing you know. And so he's trying to fit in, but it's like that her body is revolting. Revolting LA is just repelling but, and, LA. Uh, it's it's a very very powerful film. Do you consider yourself from LA now? Well, I I, can, I would almost say I do. I mean, I like the fact that I'm from South Bend, Indiana, and I have a lot of friends from South Bend, Indiana. So I would never take away my my roots of South. Your Bend, Indiana, Indiana card. Yeah, I'm Indiana hard. <laughs> uh, that being said, you know, I think your your hometown is kind of where you raise your kids, and I raised both my kids here. And, and are so, you both your kids born in LA? Born in LA. Yeah, they so they're from raised LA. In LA. And so it's like you know, I feel very comfortable in Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles. I do too. Yeah. So. I mean, well, here's a here's a here's here's the thing about Los Angeles is the anthem song of Los Angeles is I love L.A. and I love L.A. is actually like in quotation marks. It is a song that's kind of making fun of loving Los Angeles. It's a Randy Newman smartass song that somehow become our anthem, which is really crazy. But we you love know? L.A. That's we the love thing. LA. And we don't also don't mind making people <coughs> making fun of it, people yeah. doing satire of it, yeah. because we can defend our city. Yeah. Are you a fan of swingers? Like the, the movie. Oh, the movie. I thought you meant the restaurant. I was like, mm, no, do you like swingers. swinging? Do you like swinging? See, I'm in LA. I'm in my backyard. I got my pool backyard. Hey, girl. It's funny. I used to. You have, like swinging? I used to have this thing called the Swingers Club because right. we would go to Swingers, the restaurant, sure. and we would joke that we're the Swingers Club. Okay, yeah, we're like 18, so mm -hmm. it's really funny back then. No, we're not like having wild sex parties with pineapples <laughs> we're, and swingers. We're eating French fries yes. and burgers. Mm, that but I actually good. haven't seen the movie Swingers. Never seen the Swingers. No. no. Swingers is a is, a, is an LA movie. Uh, they make lots of jokes where like. Um, uh, Guy, the guy gets a phone number from a girl, uh -huh. and uh, uh, and and one of his buddies says like eight one eight, and he's like three one zero. Oh, that's <laughs> like Whoa. you can really tell because I because I live like on the border of I mean I grew up out in Ohio and I live on the border so like I can tell when someone has a three one zero number or they have an eight oh five and I'm like okay I know which side of the land you're on I know where you're going and that's what you're funny. doing and eight one eight's exactly the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So is the movie about swinging? Oh no 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 no! Not it's, at all. Uh, it's uh it's Vince Vaughn and uh, and John Favreau. It's uh um Doug Liman I think directed it. Uh, uh, no, it's about two guys kind of like just out having a good time in Los Angeles. They they almost swinging. They almost swinging. They 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 consider themselves. It was when they were sort of that. Uh, that hipster hipster thing happening in LA with the with the suits and the older mu the, the oh cocktail God. music. I like kind how of you're calling it the hipster thing. Um, well, no, that's kind of what it was, you know. Because um, when I think of hipsters, I think of like the Tumblr era with like the scarves and like the kind of emo oh, yeah, hair yeah, 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 yeah. That's and like, funny. like that's glasses funny. and no, the No, I remember. I remember what really impressed me about um, swingers mm -hmm. was the first time I ever saw they went to someone's apartment and on the um, refrigerator door with a magnet. 
was the uh, new Bev schedule. Oh, I oh like, yeah, I think I've I seen like, a picture of this. Bingo, bingo, you captured Los Angeles right there. Yeah. You, you know, it's just that the, the, the crappy, <laughs> unchanging, <laughs> never, you know, will be the same forever. New calendar. Bev calendar is on, their, is on their refrigerator. Oh, my God. And do you know, like, what year and what month Ooh, it was? Ooh, I have no idea. Because I wonder what movie you would be seeing on that calendar no. at that time. No, no, uh, well, there were always the same movies until Quentin took it over. You know, yeah. <laughs> it was a, there was a certain uh, Danny Perry's uh, cult movies book kind of defined a certain canon of movies that got shown at revival houses. Quentin's kind of just went off in a different direction where he can just kind of show, you know, he can show almost any weird movie. He can, On he film. Can sh- he can show it and people will be, oh, I think Quentin oh. likes it. Oh, I want to mention one more film before. Oh, yeah. No, you okay. can mention the film. Well, because we started with do- talking about documentary, um, uh, uh, LA Plays Itself, and I ended on a documentary called City of Gold. It's about their restaurant critic, Jonathan Gold, yeah. who really, for a long time, at least in terms of food, um, you know, just really captured Los Angeles. And, and he's now passed away, but that movie is a beautiful Los Angeles movie. And also, one little thing I'd say is Boogie Nights, of course. Of course. Know, of course. And in general, almost any porn film you'll ever see oh, captures yeah. Los Angeles. Oh, because yeah. Because it feels like the If shot you're actually watching a porn film, yes. like way That's back when. It's like it's like uh, porn movies are just mumblecore movies, just uh, with <laughs> naked people. Exactly, and that's all the time that we have for today. Larry, is there any final thought that you would like to leave the audience with? Um, absolutely not. <laughs> Besides my porn. Films. What's, your, what's your favorite Los Angeles movie? That's like a really hard question. Yeah. I don't want to be boring and be like Chinatown. Chinatown's great. I love Chinatown. Yeah. I like. I wrote down because I was. I love Roger Corman's LA right. movies. Well, the trip. The trip, yeah. I almost mentioned the trip because the trip is actually that first part of the trip. You're just driving down Sunset Boulevard yeah, and going also, to all those clubs. Uh, is Candy Snatchers an L.A. movie? I can't remember. I'm not sure. I like Candy Snatchers. Mm-hmm. I just saw it recently. I think yeah. it's an L.A. movie. I like it. Right. I like I just I like being able to like look at L.A. and be like, hey, I know where this mm-hmm. is. I can go here. And just the thing I think is the weirdest is that people like live in these places or work in these places and they don't even know the history right. of the place that they're in. Right. So I just think that's super cool. Yeah. But yeah, I think Chinatown. Today, yeah. my favorite LA movie is Chinatown. Yeah, it's 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 uh, it's 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 the Godfather of it all. Yeah, the Godfather of LA. Yeah. That is it for today. Thank you so much, Larry, for coming on the show. You can keep up with Larry on his Instagram at Larry underscore Karaszewski. The last name is spelled K A R A S Z E W S K I. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been the Gala Show. The Gala Show is brought to you by the Video Archives Podcast Network. This episode was executive produced by Quentin Tarantino and Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. 
Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's projectavery.org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.